Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts... Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today I am looking at the Jets with Play Like a Jets, Luke Grant. Thanks for joining me, man. I'm really excited. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Looking forward to diving into it. Uh, Denver's always a fun one at Mile High, so it uh, should, uh, should be a good contest. So, kind of right off the bat, first of all, guys, if you, if you do not follow Luke on Twitter, go do it. He is at LukeGrant7. And uh, Play Like a Jet is on YouTube. It is just like it sounds. Play Like a Jet, you can find it. Um, so, yeah, I was actually watching your breakdown of what happened with Zach Wilson against the Patriots because I was waiting ever so patiently for all 22 from that game. Uh, and I got it about an hour before we copped on here. So I have not actually gotten to watch the all 22 yet. But thankfully, your breakdown, I got at least an idea of what was happening. Uh, how is Zach Wilson looks so far beyond that game, I guess, because you've you followed a lot closer than I have. Yeah, look, week one was an absolute mess up front on the offensive line. The Jets really struggled to, to block. He was pressured on 53% of his snaps. And then in the second half, he was given an opportunity and he played really good brand of football, had three or four big time throws in the second half. 
But last week was just a mess, and it was all on Zach Wilson. There was no blaming the protection. Bill Belichick didn't do a ton schematically to throw him off. He played a lot of cover one man with these five-man fronts that you see from Bill Belichick all the time. But when your first two throws go for interceptions in the game, obviously the ball got rolling in the wrong direction. But it's going to be a big test, see how he bounces back, because Zach has a ton of talent. He has confidence, but he needs to avoid the turnover-worthy throws, which he's had in the first two games. So fingers crossed he can turn the corner there. Yeah, and I actually, I watched the Carolina game this morning, and I agree. I think the offensive line didn't do him a lot of favors. And, I mean, with a rookie quarterback, like, that's, you, bait, putting him into those kind of situations where he's under pressure that often, you're kind of asking for mistakes to happen. Yeah, most definitely. I think, look, Makai Becton obviously went down in that game as well, and that was scary. But the, the Jets O-line did better last week, and I'm sure we'll get into that kind of stuff as well, Joe. But he needs to take the progression with Michael Lafer, the, the play caller on offense, to not take these deep shots. Too many times the Jets have had these vertical concepts, not enough quick throws. If they are, they're off of play action. They need to do a better job getting the ball out of his hand quickly. He's held the ball over three seconds from snap to throw, one of the longest in the NFL. They need to do a better job with the rookie quarterback protecting him. Yeah, and that was one of the things that jumped out to me when I was watching the Panthers game as well, is it kind of reminded me, and again, not the same, but it kind of reminded me of when the Broncos had Rich Gangarello, where that Kyle Shanahan style offense kind of, it asks the quarterback to hang in and they're going to take some hits, but that also kind of asks the quarterback to basically be willing to take those shots for the big play, which kind of plays into the tendency that Zach Wilson has to take those shots. So th I agree with you based on what the one game I've seen, it definitely does seem like they should kind of build in a little bit more with, uh, Easy throws, easy completions, dump offs, especially because the Broncos are the Broncos defense is built to bait you into mistakes on those kind of plays. Yeah, Vic Fangio, he's led the front with these two high safeties. He's he's led the, the revolution on defense. You've now got Matt Eberflus in Indianapolis. You've got Staley in, in LA. You just see how the defenses are changing because of Vic Fangio. This isn't a take the shot, take the top off the, the defense kind of uh week for the New York Jets. They need to be patient. They need to take their shots against the cover two, cover four looks and make sure they pick their times when they do go single high. So it's important he's going to be patient because LaFleur needs to do a better job, as we just mentioned. So this is going to be a great test against Fangio's defense. So one of the things you mentioned with the offensive line, how it looked better last week. And again, I, I haven't gotten to see it yet, um, but I know I've seen uh, Morgan, Morgan Moses was inserted into the lineup and that's one of those things that I'm going to be looking for probably after we get off this recording when I get a chance to watch the game. Uh, just because with Bradley Chubb's injury, uh, honestly, the pass rush with the Broncos, like, and I'm not trying to, you know, disparage Malik Reed, but Von Miller is kind of the straw that stirs the drink on defense for Denver. And he's usually lined up over the right tackle. They move him around a little yeah. bit. They'll probably do it more now. But that matchup between Von Miller and Morgan Moses is going to be a big deal. Uh, what did you think of him from what you've seen? Off the bat, Jets fans generally were really surprised that he didn't start in week one. If you look at who Morgan Moses has been the last two years compared to George Fant, the expectation was he would start. He played against TJ Watt last year and he played against Shaquille... Um, uh, Shaquille Barrett and did a great job against those guys. They're kind of, especially Barrett, in the mold of a Von Miller. Uh, so I think it's going to be a challenge. You know, going against Von Miller one on one, he's going to lose a lot of matchups. They're going to need to chip and send some help. But I feel pretty confident in that spot on the whole for the Jets. I think it was solidified. The run game looked better to the right hand side. He's better in that aspect. But I was also impressed by George Fant at left tackle. He did better than I thought. 
the O-line on the whole was good, but Greg Van Roten, the uh, the right guard, he really struggled. He gave up seven pressures. He is the weak link. Connor McGovern, former Broncos, struggled a little bit in week one, but was phenomenal last week. I've talked about how I think his game's going to go from strength to strength in this offense because it's a lot more of what you guys were running in 2019. Yep. The play action, the zone running game climbed to the second level. He's got good athleticism. So look, on the whole, the Jets were better. I think Morgan Moses versus Von Miller is going to be a marquee matchup. It's important he comes away with, look, maybe not a stalemate, but not too many losses because if that's the case, the Jets will have an opportunity at least. Yeah, agreed. And and to your point, uh, and this is something for, for listeners, if you didn't already know this, but uh, the Jets running game is built around outside zone and then inside zone is com- a, a comparison. So that will put some stress on the Broncos discipline basically in pursuit. And that is something that I'm kind of looking for with Justin Sternod. Uh, he did okay. He did better than I thought when I went back over the tape last night. Uh, but he hasn't played against a team that's going to like look for those cutbacks quite like that. The Jaguars running game is less outside zone, a little bit more gap. Um, so they, they were trying to like basically get him with crackback blocks or get him like caught in trash. Whereas with outside zone, if he over pursues Michael Carter, who is a, like, I, I was impressed with him coming out. Uh, and I thought he looked okay in the little bit I saw of him in the Carolina game. So I, I do think that if the Broncos are not disciplined in their pursuit lanes, that could be an issue. Um, and that obviously would build the play action game up. Yeah, exactly right. Michael Carter was, you said he was okay in the preseason. I completely agree. Yeah. He had his best game of the season on the weekend. 59 carry, sorry, 59 yards, 11 carries, two catches for 29 yards. He was explosive. Uh, but the best thing, you mentioned the wide zone, outside zone system that they run in the Shanahan offense. Effectively, you're reading from D gap to C gap to B gap, like you mentioned. You're looking for the cutback lanes. He had a terrific read off Elijah Vera Tucker, the rookie left guard shoulder. He cut back inside to the A gap, did a great job. His vision was fantastic. He's so good in space. His wiggle and short area burst. So that is going to be a test for the Broncos. Uh, it is a different a different look to the gap scheme that the Jaguars or the Patriots run. So, yeah, it's going to be a challenge for them. They need to offset the the pass rush, the Jets, because you can't let Von Miller tee off, you know, 40 times a game. You just can't do it like we saw against the Panthers. So it's going to be important they can run the football. And they did pretty well against the Patriots. I also think that using as much outside zone, wide zone is going to be a way to try and mitigate the damage that Draymond Jones, Shelby Harris can cause just because yeah. that, like, when I was looking at kind of the personnel for the Jets, like that was the thing I was wondering is with Morgan Moses kind of like, I expect Von Miller to get his wins, but I don't think it's going to be like the last two weeks where Von Miller was basically camped in the backfield. Cause he was uh, yeah. just because the matchup, the matchup is a lot better. Morgan Moses was one of those guys that when he was a free agent, I was really hoping the Broncos would sign him. So the fact that you guys got him, I thought that that was pretty savvy move by Joe Douglas. Uh, but inside, yeah, Draymond Jones has been, relatively quiet um also like for fans listening defensive tackles are never going to be guys that generally light up box score stats um so this isn't to say that draymond's been playing poorly but just he hasn't had the opportunity to really make noise but against the right guard for the jets i do think that that might be a thing and that's going to be one of those things that you guys are going to try i would think that they're going to try and mitigate that where they can yeah, and I think they're going to run left. They'll ask Greg Van Roten to kind of be that cut block seal on the backside of the outside zone. So that's what I expect. Look, I could be wrong. In week one, they ran right a ton. They had Mackay Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker on the left side, and it looked like Adam Gase was calling plays. They were running right behind George Fant. So hopefully we saw more of what we saw in week two than week one anyway. Uh, so one of the other things that I'm really looking at is the uh, what do you expect the Jets to do in terms of like against Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, because... And I know like quarterbacks, it's like kind of the easy, the the big names that we're kind of looking at, but honestly, it kind of boils down to 
if Teddy Bridgewater plays like he has the first two weeks, I think the Broncos should be able to pull this game out as long as the defense doesn't collapse. Because uh, Bridgewater's been fantastic. He's been better than even I hoped. Yeah, he's been accurate. His decision-making's been on point. You saw the Teddy Bridgewater of Carolina, but with more explosive plays. Yeah. When he, they go three by one and you have Cortland Sutton on the backside, you know he's trying to hit him on vertically down the field, push it and get the ball to Cortland, who was fantastic last week against the Jaguars. So what does Robert Sala do? He's going to run a ton of cover three and cover four on first and second down. He's going to rush four. When they're running the ball, he's been using a lot of stunts and games in the run game, trying to make the running back hit that lane and then have the stunting defensive end come and clean it up. It's been pretty effective. Shaq Lawson had a couple of plays like that last week. And then with containing Teddy Bridgewater on third down, it's about getting him in third and manageable to third and longs, not giving him the third and twos, third and threes. And then I think you'll see Robert Sala go to his cover one with five-man pressures. He doesn't pressure a ton. He did last year because of the injuries they had on defense in San Francisco. But I think you'll see some five and six men on third down. But his defense is predicated much like Vic Fangio's, but in a different way. It's around taking away the explosive plays. He talked about it last week, 16-yard passes, 12-yard runs. He wants to eliminate those, and the Jets have done a great job. Realistically, week one, Robbie Anderson had a 60-yard touchdown. That was on a fifth-string safety. Last week, Damian Harris had a 28-yard run for a touchdown. That was on Quincy Williams, Quinn and Williams' brother, who they picked up off the street. So eliminate the big plays, make Teddy Bridgewater do what he's done his whole career, pick you apart, even though, look, it's what he does well and he's accurate. That's what the Jets need to do because they're not super talented on the back end. Yeah. No, and that's one of those matchups I know Broncos fans have basically been kind of – and again, Broncos fans have kind of looked at the Jets and thought like, oh, this is going to be easy because I don't know a lot of the players. Uh, but here's my thing. And again, like this is the NFL. So like obviously any week if you get caught falling asleep, it's going to happen. Uh, Quinn and Williams terrifies me. I'll be honest. Like the Broncos interior offensive line through the first two games has definitely disappointed me uh, basically across the – all three of them. Uh I, I kind of gave him a pass week one just because Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence are monstrous, yeah. but that's what Quinn Williams is. Quinn Williams is kind of that like dancing bear nightmare where he's 300 pounds, but he moves like a 250 pound man. He's quick. He's powerful. Like if, if the Broncos don't have a plan for him, he could muck up the entire day. Yeah. You're terrified of Quinn and I'm terrified of Jets fans opinions of Quinn Williams. For those who don't know, for Broncos fans, he was injured in the offseason. He had offseason foot surgery, didn't play in the preseason, didn't really practice during training camp. And now he's played 60 snaps throughout the first two games. And people think he should have six sacks already because he's such a, a great player. He had a lot of great plays last week. He caused an intentional grounding, which should have been a touchdown to Hunter Henry. The Jets blew a coverage on the back end and he forced Mac Jones to press the panic button and, and throw the ball down, which was pretty comical. He had three or four pressures, was good in the run game. He's going to get a lot better than he has been. I think he lines up more in the three tech. I wouldn't be surprised if they put him over the shaded nose a little bit, ask some questions of Lloyd Cushenberry if he's yep. still playing center. So that's something I think you could see more of. But outside of that, even though they lost Carl Lawson, which was an enormous loss for the Jets, he was the talk of training camp. Sheldon Rankins has been really good the first two games. Uh, John Franklin Myers, who some fans may not know, He's probably the most underappreciated Jet and possibly defensive end or defensive tackle in the NFL. He's had pressure, uh, sacks in five of his last six games. He's been phenomenal. So I think there's an opportunity for the Jets to be disruptive up front. As you mentioned, the interior has been a weak spot for the Broncos, but I expect it to get better. Reisner and those guys are good players. So we'll see how it unfolds. Yeah, but that's that's definitely one of those matchups where I'm just – it's one of the ones that if you look, if you're looking away from the ball, guys, that's – probably one of the biggest matchups in this game for the Broncos uh, because 
if they don't do their job in the middle there, that's one of those ways. It's an edge that the Jets can definitely take advantage of for sure. Uh, how do you expect, like, because again, you just kind of talked about the coverages. Uh, what do you expect to kind of happen in terms of the matchups for the back end? Because obviously the Broncos don't have Jerry Judy for this game. Quentin Sun, again, he had a very good day, but he also had a good day and he's also playing on a recover, like a repaired knee. And he's definitely in the game against the Jaguars. He definitely got a little banged up. Uh, yeah. So I kind of, I kind of think that the Broncos are going to try and feature KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, Alberto and Tim Patrick Moore, but I'm not, you know, I can't say for sure. Uh, but what do you what do you think that Saul is going to try and do to kind of mitigate that um, beyond just the calls? Or is he the going corner to group? To sorry to interrupt you. The no, corner no. group was scary in the preseason. I think Jets fans they didn't have a well. They had five games between them. Bryce Hall played five games last year, coming off injury after he was taken in the fifth round. They took uh, Michael Carter the second in the draft, and then Brandon Eccles. That's their starting three corners. And while people think, oh, you know, there's some talent there. There's young guys. Let's see them play. Everyone was worried about it. They wanted them to bring in a veteran, Stephen Nelson, someone like that. They didn't. They said, we're sticking with our guys. And through the first two weeks against the Panthers and the Patriots, the Jets have allowed the 30th number of uh, receiving yards to wide receivers. 49% of their total yards in the air have been to receivers. The Jets' corners have done a terrific job. They have all three corners have ranked in the top 40 with PFF. Take it with a grain of salt, you know, based on your opinion of them. But they've been competitive. They've been good. The Panthers have a really good receiving group with DJ Moore and those guys. So when you see man coverage, what I'd expect would be on third down in these cover one looks, you'll get Bryce Hall on Cortland Sutton. I think that's a fairly good matchup for Bryce Hall. <clears throat> Excuse me. He more struggles with these shifty receivers who can change direction quickly at the stem. Um, Cortland Sutton, good deep speed, very good third down receiver. KJ Hamler on Michael Carter, though. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Michael Carter, I joke on my show, where the Michael Carter, the second show, he is super talented out of Duke, great movement skills and fluidity in space, but he trusts his feet. He's so good in off coverage of not being panicking and turning his hips too quickly and getting himself in trouble. So looking forward to seeing that. Overall, I think it's going to be a good matchup. The Broncos definitely have the edge, even with Jerry Judy out. But if these guys can do another, get put in another strong performance, that's going to be really pleasing. And it'll give the Jets a chance to win up front. Do you think the linebacker like, and again, this is a bit of a misnomer. So for listeners, like there's, there's two, there's two parts to this, but a lot of Broncos fans basically look at linebackers as like the answer for tight ends, which partly true, not always true. Um, but the Broncos have been running a ton of, of 12 personnel, 13 personnel. I think they're actually leading the league in 13 personnel right now. Um, some of that is due to the fact that they used it seven straight times to end the giants game. That's kind of like Shermer's way to kind of put the game away. He just goes heavy and runs it down your throat, but, but still they're, they're featuring the 12 personnel a lot. Um, this is the lowest percentage of 11 personnel that Pat Shermer's had in the four years I've looked, uh, he's down at, I want to say he's at 51%. Um, so again, like, no fan Alberto are going to get their touches. How do you feel about those matchups? If it was the Jets linebackers against them, I'd be terrified. Marcus May is going to play a lot on, on Noah fan in man coverage. That's how it's going to be. It would have been LaMarcus Joyner too, but he like all the Jets marquee signings on defense he's out for the season. So uh, it'll be Marcus May on George fan, sorry, on George fan on uh, Noah fan in those looks, uh, which I think is an okay matchup for the Jets may more struggles with guys who are, uh, bigger in the red zone. And look, I know he's a big guy, but he's not the most physical. He's more a great athlete. He's great down the seam vertically. So I think Marcus May can handle that matchup fairly well. The question with the Jets linebackers is, uh, is coverage. Look, Quincy Williams started last week. He's 
not a great player. Let's be honest. He picked up the street from Jacksonville. <laughs> Jacksonville. CJ Mosley is was outstanding last week. He was the Jets' best player on defense. But if you want to get him one-on-one in a Texas route against Christian McCaffrey, that's not his thing. But if you're allowing him to play underneath in cover two, use his eyes, his closing speed, and his instincts, he's really good in that area. So I think it's better for him that you've got a Javante Williams who is really good in pass pro, excellent after contact, good burst, but isn't that you know Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara type back. So I don't think the Broncos can ask that many questions, but they're also well poised, the Jets, because they just played the Patriots who in week one played 34% 11 personnel and like 62% 12 personnel in that week. So they're pretty well versed. They just took on Hunter Henry and Janu Smith. They did a pretty good job. So they've just played that kind of offense. I don't know if it's going to help them significantly, but at least they should be pretty well prepared. Yeah. And that's one of those other unsung things that I think like, like the matchup beyond the matchup, like you, you, again, you look on paper and it's easy to say like the Broncos have advantages here, you know, wherever, uh, but in terms of football, when you kind of look at the situations of these two teams going in, the Broncos are kind of riding high, but at the same time, like it's easy if you're riding high because of counting the preseason, they haven't lost yet this year. It's easy to kind of overlook the Jets, first of all. And again, I normally don't get caught in that, but I think that could be a thing this week because the Ravens are next. But also yeah. beyond that, the Broncos haven't played against a team that's heavy featured outside zone yet. They played against the Giants and the Jaguars. Both of them play a lot of man. They don't necessarily run the same kind of system. But also the fact is the Jets have played against teams that give them similar looks to what they're going to see against the Broncos. So they they have a plan to build on for this matchup, whereas the Broncos are actually building a whole new game plan for this game. Yeah, and I will say this for the Jets, and it sounds ridiculous when your team just lost 25-6 to six to the Patriots. The Jets played well. Zach Wilson played terribly. Yeah. That needs to be clarified because the offensive line was good the Jets ran for 150 yards they were good in pass protection outside of Greg Van Roten the defense was fantastic they gave up short field after short field were just handed to Mac Jones and really they bend but didn't break other than one touchdown run when the fourth interception was thrown and their spirits were just completely shattered effectively so the Jets even though they got spanked on paper, they didn't play that badly outside of their quarterback. If he can be okay and not turn the ball over, they're going to be a chance to be competitive. You saw Jacksonville last week. They could have been up 13-10 at halftime. I think they missed two field goals. I might have got the score slightly wrong, but they were in the game at halftime. I think the Jets can be in that realm as well. I'm not saying I think they're favorites to go into mile high and win. It's a tough place to play, but I also don't think they're 12.5-point dogs on the road. I think they're a better team than that, even though they haven't showed it yet. Yeah, I think that's bait. I think, I think that's Vegas kind of trying to get suckers off of, you know, the preseason two wins in a row. Um, so again, if you're looking to bet this weekend, I am one of those people, Broncos country advising you not to bet that spread because I think that that is a sucker's bet. Um, cause again, I agree with you. And again, Broncos fans should be aware of this. Like we've had shitty quarterback play forever. Like, and I'm not saying that like Zach Wilson's bad, but he had a bad game. Yeah. It, it happens, but that doesn't mean the entire team was bad. Like, we like last year, the Broncos played against the, the Chiefs and outside of a Melvin Gordon fumble and Drew Locke just completely like pooping his pants like they played to beat the Chiefs. It's just yeah. they had those two big issues and you can't you can't make up for turnovers sometimes like that's just how it happens. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming. And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, exactly right. So look, I think the Jets will be competitive. I think the Broncos should win it, but it's just going to be a nice matchup on both sides of the ball. I'm excited to see how Robert Sala attacks Teddy Bridgewater if they do anything differently. And then on offense, the Jets haven't really... You talked about the familiarity on defense and how the Jets have run into a lot of 12 personnel. They haven't really run into a too high scheme yet. Uh, Phil Snow, the Panthers D coordinator, he plays a lot of cover three. Bill Belichick ran almost exclusively cover one man with a a bit of cover two man mixed in. And then this week, obviously, you get the two high cover two, cover four look from Vic Fangio. So it's a different challenge. It presents a different challenge. But I think it might be what the Jets need to get them playing the right brand of football, which is get the ball out quickly. Yeah, and and that's one of those things I'm worried about with this game, too, because the Broncos are going to probably run a lot of... Vic Fangio doesn't want to send extra help unless he absolutely has to. Um, he actually talked about it today. Again, guys, we're recording on Wednesday, but he mentioned the fact that basically uh, our, our reporter, you know, posted this up was basically uh, when you when you've blitzed this year, the passer rating against you is at zero. Which again, that's a mis like it might be true, but that's also one of those things where it's like they played against Daniel Jones and rookie Trevor Lawrence. So like that doesn't mean that the blitz is the answer. So if you know, you guys hearing that or reading that the next couple of days, keep that in mind, but even still like Fangio heard it and he basically was like, yeah, but the thing I like is you, you'd rather be sound. You don't want to blitz because you have to, you want to blitz because you're choosing to, and when you want to. So the Broncos are going to try and play coverage and they're going to pot. They're going to try and make the jets, you know, march down the field slowly um, the run defense the last two weeks, even with, you know, the, the injuries around it, I've been very impressed with the run defense. So I'm curious to see how that does play out because I do, I like Michael Carter a lot. Um, he was my RB three in this draft. Uh, and I thought that he went to a really good scheme for his talents. Um, I did not necessarily like, like if he would have gone to the Broncos, I thought that Shermer would have had to adjust a little bit because the Broncos don't run as much outside zone as I thought Carter was going to need to like really thrive. Um, but yeah, so that that's definitely one of those things. Like, I think if they play ball control and Zach Wilson kind of keeps the game in front of him without kind of like pressing and making mistakes, I think this could be a, a closer game than people are expecting, and it could make Broncos fans really nervous about the Ravens game. Um, yeah, I, I also really... go ahead. Sorry, go for it. No, no, I, I wasn't. I was just gonna say that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I was impressed with the Broncos' run defense too. I thought they did a great job with James Robinson. They missed a couple of tackles, but all in all, they kept him, you know, really well contained in the ga- the man gapping scheme. That was fantastic. They made Trevor Lawrence throw a lot on third and eight, third and ten, third and twelve, and that just let Von Miller go to work. And he was in the backfield exclusively. That they destroyed Jacksonville's right tackle. So the Jets need to get away from that game plan. They need to make sure they run the ball effectively on first and second down and find a way to do it. Hopefully, the outside zone is successful because it was last week, but in Week one, they couldn't run it a leak. So a little bit 50-50 right now. We'll see which Jets offensive line we get. What do you think of the Jets run defense? Um, I know we talked a little bit about like the players up front, but h- how do you because the Broncos have actually struggled to run the ball. And it's actually been kind of a it's kind of been a not a point of contention, but it's kind of been like there's a bit there's a bit of uh misinformation out there because Fangio actually said that they've they've seen a lot of exotic looks or extreme measures by opponents. Uh, I've gone back over the games two times now to like try and see these extreme measures. 
I mean, late in games when the Broncos are trying to run out the clock, yeah, they're they're loading up nine in the box. But like, it's over fronts, it's under fronts. There's when the Broncos go heavy, the opponent tends to go base. Like it's it's nothing crazy. Like I haven't. So like to me, the big concern is actually the blocking, um, because I think yeah. Javante Williams has done a good job, and then Melvin Gordon had that one breakaway run in Week One. But outside of that, like the running game has been pretty iffy. So that is one of those things too. I think the Jets could make the Broncos one dimensional on offense. It, it's interesting because the Jets have really good run defenders. Quinn and Williams was a top five run defender in defensive tackles last year. Foley Fatakasi is a guy you'll see early on first and second down, number 94, keeping out for him. Broncos fans, a name that most people wouldn't know. But then they also run the wide, the wide nine techniques, which is, you know, you think is good to run the football against because they'll get Bryce Huff or, or uh, Shaq Lawson out in that wide nine technique, and then they'll have a five tech on the other side. So it puts some stress on the linebackers. But if I'm the Jets, I'm okay with the Broncos running the football. I know it's kind of a new agey thing to say, but I'd rather that. I'd rather the Jets be in nickel more. Even if sometimes you're in 12 personnel against nickel, I don't think the Jets are a terrible matchup for the Jets. Uh, Michael Carter is a really good run defender despite his size. I just don't want Quincy Williams on the field very often. If the Broncos start going play action out of these 12 looks, I think that's dangerous for the Jets. So I think they need to gamble that their front four does the job despite the wide nine technique that Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers can do enough. Um, and look, to be honest, I was pretty shocked that Quinn, My- Quinn Miners hasn't seen the field over Lloyd Cushenberry. I didn't like Lloyd Cushenberry. I think Miners is a really good center. Even though he didn't play it in college, he was built to play the position. Uh, Lloyd just doesn't get a lot of push up front. He's an average athlete. So maybe that's going to happen in the next few weeks. But I think that gives the Jets an opportunity to stop the run. You're going to get me in trouble because I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> no, I – here's the thing. I liked Lloyd Cushenberry coming out. I thought – I I – I had him very close with uh, Hennessy. Matt, I think it was Matt Hennessy from Temple. Temple, and he had, yeah. yep. And the Broncos got jumped by the Falcons. Falcons got him, and I think the Broncos wanted him. Like there was reports after the draft that that's who they wanted. And Lloyd Cushenberry again, he played every snap last year, but he was the worst center in football last year. And then throughout the preseason, we heard about how much he improved. And like I heard it, and you kept thinking like, "Oh, that's great," but at the same time, it's like, "Yeah, but he was the worst center in football." So like, I would be worried if he did not improve. Yeah. And then, you, and then in the preseason, it was one of those things like he was giving up push to the Vikings second and third string defensive tackles. And we got to week one. Again, I tried to look at the interior offensive line. This like I, I tried to look at that through like orange shade glasses, just because again, I knew Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence are going to give everybody problems. And Patrick Graham does a good job using them to create problems. Um, but the truth is like the Jaguars, we really opened my eyes to the issues and Natani Muti stepping in for Graham Glasgow. I thought he had trouble, but at the same time, nowhere near as much as I thought on the broadcast. Like when I watched the broadcast, I kept, I kept giving Natani Mute shit when it was actually Lloyd Cushenberry who was having issues. And Dalton Reisner has had some problems too. Dalton Reisner got beat by quickness once he got beat by power a couple times and he's not getting as much push as I thought, but, but no Lloyd Cushenberry. I think the Broncos are like a week or two away from either saying, fuck it. We're going to put Quinn Miners in. Or they're putting Graham Glasgow there and just keeping Moosey out. Because I think that Cushenberry, he's a liability at this point. Just like last year, just not quite as extreme as last year. 
Yeah, you mentioned Natani Muti. He was a guy I loved in the draft process as well. I had him as a top 35 player, which I know there were the injuries around him. There were so many question marks. I wasn't expecting him to go in that range. But just the violence he played with, his ability to get to the second level for a guy who was that big. thought he was so explosive. You're right, he did have some struggles, but he definitely wasn't helped out by the center play on the weekend. I yes. think he's going to get better. The Jets, the, sorry, the Jets. The good news for the Broncos is they have the best, best interior offensive line depth in the NFL probably. I think they've got two guys who can step in and be starters on 10, 15 teams. There's so such poor guard play around the league right now. So even though they're playing poorly right now, the interior, at least they have the, the cavalry as backup to, to possibly come in and make some improvements if things don't get better. That's my hope. Um, because again, like the fear, and again, like this is based on, you know, most reports. I'm not in Denver, so I didn't get to see training camp up front. Um, but the reports are basically that miners need a red shirt year. So like, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, it makes sense if that's the case, just cause he did come out of, you know, Wisconsin whitewater, all that. But yeah. at the same time, like I agree with you when the Broncos drafted him, I, I thought like, he's going to probably push Cushenberry immediately. Cause it says something about what the Broncos think of Cushenberry that the year after drafting him in the third round, they draft another interior lineman with the thought to play him at center in the third round. Like that to me is a sign that they do not view Cushenberry as a long-term solution. Yeah, it's a big investment to make. A third round pick is, you know, a top 100 pick and you're thinking that guy can start within two years. I think that says something, especially when Graham Glasgow's got a fairly sizable contract. I think he's in what year two of his deal yep. with Denver. Uh, so yeah, look, I think it's definitely put the pressure on Lloyd Cushenbury. I think it's going to be a challenge next year. As you said, it looks like they're going to go with a red shirt year for Quinn. Not sure if that's the right decision, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, so kind of... There's a couple of questions I want to kind of pepper you with. So the first one, and this is it's going to sound kind of dumb, but I, again, keep in mind that we just came off of Jags week. Best I can tell, there was no like sort of dysfunction or anything coming out. Like Robert Saul is actually an NFL coach. This coaching staff is like, they're on point. Like this is the beginning of a rebuild, but like they know it, like they're committed to the cause. Like with Urban Meyer, that, that story basically overran like everything else leading up to the game. That's not the case this week. Yeah, look, it's pretty well under wraps. Robert Salah is a professional guy. I think when he was hired, people saw the rah-rah defensive guy on the sideline clapping and screaming. He's the complete opposite of that. If you talk to anyone who was around training camp and preseason, he's a really mild-mannered guy other than on game day, obviously, but he's an intellect. He's someone who's so good at explaining concepts and communicating with his young players. He has everything you know, tidy in-house, which is good to see after the Adam Gase era, which was a complete mess. And uh, thankfully, we're out of that now. Look, to be honest, Jets fans are a little concerned about Mike LaFleur early. Uh, Denzel Mims, who... I was super high on. He was a top 30 Same. player for me last year. Uh, he played well last year. He got open last year. Sam Donald didn't throw in the ball a lot, but when he was healthy, he made plays. He's the seventh receiver. He was inactive last week. In week one, he played three snaps. He had a 40-yard reception, and that was it for the day. So people were concerned about that. People were concerned that Morgan Moses started over George Fant in week one. Obviously not an issue now because they're both going to play. People didn't like that. People haven't liked how long he was holding the ball. I'll give you an, in, uh, an example. Week one, when the Panthers were bringing these five-man fronts and Brian Burns was coming and they were walking the Will and Sam down on the other side of the offensive line and things like that, the Jets were just blocking five and trying to throw the ball deep. They made no adjustments. Then last week, they expected Bill Belichick to do the same, and Bill sat back, rushed four, and they just max protected all game, and there was no adjustments. So I think there's some concerns around LaFleur and his ability to adjust, but it's early. He's called two NFL games since 2013 when he was you know, at a junior college. So hopefully he gets better, but that's probably where the Jets' biggest concern is right now. Gotcha. But that's – and again, to, my, to like two, two listeners – 
that is NFL type stuff though, compared to like urban Meyer, like, Oh, he might yeah. quit at halftime. <laughs> like it, like, and again, like, I think it's all valid. And I also like, sorry for having to survive the gay Sarah for as long as you did. Cause like, yeah. my God, that was woof. Um, honestly, I feel like you, you, like fans who go through eras like that deserve like free tickets or like swag, <laughs> like something because like, dude, like it's like, again, like this is, you know, beside the point, but like last year, like there was a, there was a game where fans at the Broncos game started to boo because the Broncos offense was just like going backwards the whole game and the players got upset and I get it. Like as a player that has to be disheartening, but at the same time, like these fans are like paying real money to go and see these games. And it's like, if you guys are that bad, like you got to put on the show that the fans want to see. So, so I get that too. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Zach Wilson actually, he mentioned that yesterday, uh, yesterday in his press conference, he talked about how the fans were booing in his second game at MetLife, which look, I was disappointed in, but like you said, they're paying the money. They can do whatever they want at the games. It's that's completely the people's call who are, who are paying the money. But Zach Wilson just said they should have been booing. What we put out on on the, on the field wasn't good enough. And and if they want to boo then they should have, because that's what we deserve. So I thought that was a good answer. He's been extremely level-headed. You know, people were saying he was, you know, a spoiled kid coming out of BYU and he's rich and he's, father owns or his uncle owns jet blue and all this kind of stuff extremely mild great temperament and i think he's going to be really good in new york cool uh what do you kind of expect for him going forward i guess first of all like in the broncos game like what is like best case scenario uh like best realistic case scenario i guess is like how you see it and then like how close like how likely do you think that is Look, I mean, we saw the best case scenario in the preseason and it's preseason against vanilla coverages. I understand all of that. But I think Zach Wilson can do what he did in the second half against Carolina. You saw, I think he went 16 for 23. He had a couple of really nice touchdowns outside of structure. He was very accurate. He didn't turn the ball over in the second half. He can do that for a full game in the NFL. It just compounded very quickly for him in the weekend. And I've seen this as a, as a Jets fan. You saw Mark Sanchez throw five picks in his rookie season against Buffalo. Sam Darnold had his second year game against New England where he threw four picks. You see these games and you, you almost just throw out the tape and put it in the bin because it started so badly. Three interceptions in his first five, five passes. If he can protect the football, I think he's going to be fine. He, he needs his confidence back. He lost that very early and he couldn't get it back. He started to drift in the pocket. Zach Wilson can go out and he can throw three intercept sorry three touchdowns to one interception for 260 yards he can do that it's going to be difficult against denver's defense but in saying that i thought trevor lawrence just missed a couple of big plays to marvin jones cover two shot on the right hand side early missed another one down the boundary late in the third quarter i think it was so there were some opportunities there for the jags uh, i thought they went after fuller a little bit more than i expected i thought they might try and pepper satan who played really well obviously had that rep and the double move his, his hips and the ability to read are fantastic so zach wilson's going to be t- pressured he's going to have a test this week it's going to really test his temperament and ability to stay patient but i think he can be really good despite what we saw on Sunday. Yeah, same. Um, and that's one of those things that again, for fans listening, uh, if you just look at the box score, it's easy to think, Oh yeah. Like Zach Wilson, like he, you know, he had a terrible day, but like the Carolina game again, the, the, there was a dropped bomb. To, yeah. I want And it was, it was beautiful. Like, it, and again, like it was everything you, uh, when I watched it, I immediately in my notes, it was basically like, yep. Still has the arm talent. Cause like I, you know, I scouted him coming out and I thought a lot of him, he was my QB three. I love Justin Fields. Like QB three is not a, a shot in this draft class, but, but I love Fields and obviously Lawrence. Um, so again, like, I think like Wilson's going to have one of those games coming up where like all of a sudden everyone's like, oh yeah, that's why he was the second quarterback taken. 
Yeah, and I think he has more help around him than the Jets quarterbacks have in the past. Elijah Moore was the guy that dropped that ball in week one, but he's been electric through the preseason. He was pretty good last week in limited opportunities. Corey Davis was phenomenal in week one, but then fell victim to Bill Belichick and his takeaway, what you do best in in week two. Uh, You get Jameson Crowder back this week, who's been struggling with the groin hit on the COVID list. So he has the pieces around him. He just needs to step up to the plate and protect the football. Jets win if... Zach Wilson doesn't turn the football over once. We have to have zero turnovers. You can't turn the, the ball over against Denver. The way they play, really uh, well-managed football, complimentary football. Teddy's been looking after the rock. I think 85% of balls have been accurate. You can't turn the ball over. Jets win if they don't turn the ball over. And I think if the Broncos can make you turn the ball over and Teddy – and again, like I think we're heading towards a, a, one of these games, like either this week, next week, or the week after, I think we are going to see – little bit more struggle from Bridgewater just because he is under pressure a lot. He's playing very well under pressure right now, but that's not sustainable. Uh, so keep that in mind, guys. Don't suddenly have like a meltdown if Bridgewater throws a pick or something. It's going to happen at some point. Um, but I think if the Broncos can can survive that and on defense, they look similar to what they did last week. Um, I know Kyle Fuller in each of the first two games has given up some big shots. That is something I'm looking for is I think the Jets are going to probably try and test him. Um, if they do dial up some shot plays, so he's going to have to hold up, but I think the safety rotation is going to be big. Um, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, don't worry about the PFF grade. I think Justin Simmons is playing fine. Um, but yeah, if they do that, I think the Broncos can take care of business. I just, I hope they come into it ready to play. Oh, and last thing I forgot, I'm sorry. I forgot this special teams. That is something that Broncos fans have been pulling their hair out over for four years. Cause basically since Tom McMahon became the Broncos special team coordinator, they've been garbage on special teams. Uh, do you think the Jets can take advantage? Possibly. I mean, we're the opposite. Brant Boyer, the, the uh, special teams coordinator, has lasted through three head coaches. He made it through the back end of the, the Bowles era, Adam Gase, and now has continued on to Robert Sala's stuff. Their punt coverage units have been fantastic. They didn't punt it a lot last week because Zach Wilson was throwing it away, but they've done a good job there. The question is going to be Matt Amendola, the kicker. He's a, you know, a rookie who came out of uh, Oregon State. He made two out of three last week. He did a fantastic job punting in week one. The Jets punter went down. And then the first thing he did was drop a 67-yard punt straight after that. And he's never punted in his life in a game before. So that was impressive. But look, the Jets have an opportunity, I think. They haven't blocked a punt in the last couple of years, I think, against Carolina in 2019. They they were close in the Carolina game. But yeah, they did get close against Carolina, which seems to be a theme. We block a punt against them nearly every time we play. So uh, look, they have an opportunity. He's one of the best in the game, Brant Boyer, as far as scheming things up. I wouldn't be too worried about the Jets' return game. Braxton Berrios was very good a couple of years ago, but he's been fair catching nearly everything since in the last two year and a half. I think he had five fair catches in the last uh, two weeks to start the season. So I think the Jets have an edge there, but I don't think it's something that's going to destroy the game for Broncos fans. The one thing I'm worried about just from like a hot take standpoint is last week was the 102 yard touchdown return. This week will be a blocked punt. And then we'll just have like everybody calling to fire Tom McMahon before the Ravens game. So I'm I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but I could see that happening because the Carolina game, that 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 block or the potential block was quite close. Um, and I just keep thinking the Broncos, they're just they they beg for these kind of things. Whatever whatever McMahon's doing, like he's just he's kind of asking for for that kind of trouble. Uh, what's your prediction for the game? I think Denver wins something in the range of twenty. 
24-17, maybe something there, 24-17. I think it's a two-score game throughout most of it. The Jets score early in the fourth quarter. It's one of those games where you go, well, Teddy, you got to finish this now in a four-minute situation, and he gets it done. I think that's what we'll see. I don't expect to see this team blown out. I think Robert Sala has too much character, but I think Denver are rightfully very heavy favorites. They're the better team on multiple spots on the field, and I think they'll win by seven to eight points, something like that. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate, I appreciate it. you having me. Definitely. And guys, again, if you do not already follow Luke on Twitter, go do it. He is at Luke Grant seven and go follow play like a jet on YouTube. Cause I do. Beautiful. I appreciate you, Joe. Thanks for having me on, man.